The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Jason Neal, one of the co-owners of PW United. I must warn you that the Yellow Block podcast contains some strong language and adult themes. So be warned and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Yellow Block, a PW United podcast on the TalkSport Fan Network. I am Tim and I'm joined by a very upbeat and happy panel, understandably so. We've got Sam with us this evening. Good evening. We've also got Nathan. All right. And uh, resident Bolton correspondent Dan has joined. Oh, yeah. How are we doing? We're all very happy, I think, judging by the yeah. <laughs> Lots of smiles all around. Are we all sobered up a little bit from... Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, so we are a couple of days post-Wednesday game. Uh, Dan, you're shaking your head like you've not sobered up. You don't look sober, no, to be fair. No. But... <laughs> I, I don't know whether I'm drunk on emotion or, you know, just copious amounts of alcohol. I, I'm feeling like I can, you know, sort of ride this through to Thursday and then, you know, see, see how I feel on Friday morning. Yeah, exactly that. Nathan, this weekend has got to have been, been happier than any weekend you've had recently, right? Yeah, can you not tell my, my uh, voice from all the shouting I did on, <laughs> on Friday? Yeah, I'm like three decibels lower than normal. Yeah, it was great. Um, Just a, a, side, a side point, Nathan, sorry, I'm distracted here. Is that the periodic table behind No, you? <laughs> I did think you'd question me on this. That is all the stuff we have to buy for the wedding, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, one of every... Uh, my gem, right? my fiance is the most ridiculously organised human being. And that is a result of having a meeting the other day. You had a meeting? So, yeah, she, she, she schedules meetings. The um, two of you? health meetings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she'll drop me a um, like an inbox and just say, oh, let's have a meeting on whatever day. <laughs> um, on Teams? Yeah, no, not in teams, no, just by text. Um, but yeah, that's the result of it, is that that's like a very, very long, expensive list of stuff we still have to buy. So, so. let me just clarify this. So she, <laughs> she she inboxes you to arrange a meeting. Bear in mind, presumably you live together, I'm guessing? Yeah, no, we do. Yeah, yeah but we work. Um, she works long hours. And yeah, I work from home quite often. So we don't get as much time together as we would like. So um, well, that's I mean, I kind live of her way of, of planning it. When she thinks, let's have a meeting, she'll organise it. I live for that level of organisation, and I'm it, all for household meetings. Uh, I am very much the opposite, too. so it, it balances out. It's quite handy that I have someone who's quite to the to the point. <laughs> good, uh, Sam. What have you been up to this weekend? Yeah, good weekend. Thanks. It was it was a birthday weekend for me, so very very happy one indeed. Um, so yeah, the, the you know posh set it, set it rolling on Friday night, um, but yeah, it's just been sort of a wave of euphoria. You just kind of do your normal stuff in the day and then you just stop for a moment and your mind goes back oh yeah we beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-0 and then you just smile to yourself um and when <laughs> when my kids woke up on Saturday morning they were like why are you so happy like, let, me, let me tell you kids while you were asleep we were spanking Sheffield Wednesday I didn't say that word though that would have been weird um yeah great weekend was it your birthday 
It was my birthday over the weekend, yeah. Ah, happy yeah, birthday. Happy birthday. Only happy never birthday. did tell us this. I feel like we should we should have known that. So, well, happy birthday, Sam. 21 again. That's, <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> that's great, yeah. No, no, happy birthday to you. That's awesome news. And what a present you got from the club as well. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, last time we were in playoffs, it was my birthday when we were at... Um, Leighton Orient away and got knocked out. So slightly yeah. different emotions that time. Not not um, quite as happy. <laughs> no, exactly. But yeah, it was, what a night. What a night. Absolutely. Well, since we've just recorded then, we gave Wednesday a paste in and now have one foot and four toes. Or have we? That's all coming up on the Yellow Block. So this episode is our fifth anniversary episode. Happy birthday for us, uh, to us, I should say. I'm pulling an imaginary party popper at this point. That's incredible. Five years of the yellow block. Um, I mean, we have we have talked about this with the producer. We have decided to go for five more years, more than anything, just to annoy the the, the, the listeners that um, also I say the, the people that don't listen because they. They don't feel that what we produce is uh, worth listening to or particularly great quality. So we will keep going for another five years. Uh, We did ask out on Twitter, when did you start listening to the Yellow Block? Really just to see if anyone has been listening for that full five years. Uh, Toby commented, he said, I started halfway through the 2020-21 season. Been tuning into nearly every single episode since. Thank you very much, Toby. Uh, Jacob says, this season I started listening. I was going to say this year, but then realised it's 2023 now. Uh, Caden, like many, said he started listening during lockdown 2020. Uh, Irish Posh, aka Kisby's mum, around three years. Heard it through Twitter, assumed it would be amateurish rubbish, but gave it a spin on Apple Podcasts anyway. Was pleasantly surprised to find Kisby on it, and it turned out to be a decent listen. Uh, well, I mean, we'll, I think we'll take that, Dan. That there's a there's a compliment for Kisby in there, but that aside, I think there was a compliment for us as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's quite apt that you know we're celebrating the fifth year anniversary, and the two eldest serving members of the Yellow Block are not here. It's um, yeah, it's it's, it's it's fantastic forward planning, I think. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't actually know it was our fifth anniversary, so that's how much planning there was involved. Uh, we have got a few winners on this, though. So, um, 14 O'Brien uh, on Twitter listened from the very start, from the early days, and says, but still a good listen. We'll take that. Zoe Ridgewell says, from the very first episode, Kisby era. Uh, and Andrew Scrimshaw says, from the first episode, and won the Sabutio Holy Trio quite early on. I've got a picture of that here as well. Uh, I forgot about the, the Holy Trinity Sabutio set that we had. Uh, yeah, so thanks to all that have listened. We'll I say we'll do our best to do another five years just to annoy those that don't like us. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into the meat of what we're here to talk about, uh, Dan. Uh, Wednesday. Um, let, before we get into the, the kind of the meat and, and breaking down the goals, we, we, how we'll, we'll play this episode. Just your kind of overall take on on that that Wednesday game and where you're at now. You've had a couple of days to digest it. Yeah, I, I think it was. A very well battled game on on the chessboard. I, I think we knew how they were going to play. We knew their strengths. 
You know, they're a very good set-piece team. You know, you look at the size of their, their back four and it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and we managed that well, which, you know, to, to say that of a, a Peterborough team is, is quite astonishing because, you know, historically we're terrible at, at set-pieces. Um, and, you know, just we... we we made them pay every single time and, and at the end of the day that's what you need to do in football you know and it you can't ask for a better way to, to end the home leg and, and you know we, we now go to their place where all the pressure's on them all the fans are there and they won't be behind the team you know anyone who was in the ground on on friday night will attest to the fact that the fans are extremely unhappy with that sheffield wednesday team um you know, so it's it's going to be a very cagey atmosphere come Thursday night, and I think that plays to our advantage because we have the ability to not necessarily sit back, and you know that's not what I want to see from the team. You know, four goals isn't insurmountable, but we have the ability to sort of you know try and control the game a little bit better than if it was only two nil or one nil or you know even a draw. Um, what I will say is they're a very dangerous team. And again, anyone who watched that game will attest they are dangerous. They weren't hitting on Friday night. It doesn't by any means mean that they won't hit, you know, on, on Thursday. They have the ability to, to score, especially from set pieces, and they will be gunning for it. There was one point in the uh, in the second half, I think it was when we were 3-0 up, just before the fourth goal went in, um, they had five players up and they were constantly whipping balls in and we struggled we had to clear a couple off the line so you know we just need to 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 play it smart i think and if we can get a very similar performance you know even without the goals to 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 friday night we're absolutely laughing aren't we yeah it's it's an interesting uh point you make there around the game because and this is potentially a I wouldn't say controversial it may be controversial i don't know especially when we've just won four nil in the playoffs but i actually think don't hate on me. I actually think the scoreline flattered us a little bit. Uh, and the, what I say there is that we were 2-0 up at half-time, but I would argue that we didn't deserve to be 2-0 up at half-time. So they had... I know Michael Smith had that one-on-one early. If he'd scored that, we're looking at a different game, I think. All of the pressure that Wednesday had was as a result of Peterborough not controlling the game or not controlling possession, giving the ball away cheaply, not clearing their lines properly, uh, properly trying to play out from the back. We invited all of that pressure. But Wednesday just didn't seem to have that kind of final little killer touch. I think they were unlucky for an, an element of that first half. As soon as that third goal went in, the game's dead at that point. They just collapsed. Now, I don't know what's happening off the pitch at Wednesday. I don't I don't know enough about the club, but there's clearly something there that's going on because the fans turned on them. The players just seemed to implode. And realistically, it could have ended up being five. Um, I know it was um, uh, not Ricky Joe Jones. It was... Okay. Uh, Poku, yes, thanks, Sam, at the end, who probably should have scored, let's be honest. Um, but I don't know, it's just odd. I'm, I was looking back at half time and it's like we're 2 0 up, but I didn't feel like we should have been 2 0 up. It, I, at that point, you kind of still felt like they were very much in the game. And I don't know, Sam, it's just my take on this is did we deserve to win 4 0? I mean, we did, so yes, but I don't know. It, I'm watching that back and I'm thinking that wasn't a 4 0 type game for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can deny that the the big moments went our way. As you said, the Michael Smith chance early on that Norris saves. Now, I'm not saying it, they went our way by pure luck. You know, that's a great save from Norris and, and Smith should have done better. Um, 
the goalkeeper should have done better for Jack Taylor's goal. No doubt about that. Ward shot takes a deflection and that helps it in. Um, again, fair play to Ward for taking on. The build-up play was excellent. And if you don't hit them, you don't, you know, you, it, Ward's got to strike it for it to take the deflection to go in. So yes, you're, you're tuning up at half time. They've had a big moment from a from a sloppy pass for well, Norburn got caught in possession, didn't he? And then you had the Taylor sloppy pass, the only thing he did wrong all all game that led to the yellow card for Kent. So we did look a bit sloppy sometimes and we'd scored from a poor goalkeeping error and a, a deflection. Um, so, yeah, if you look at it like that, then then, yes, perhaps we are fortunate to be to be two up. But I, I never really felt worried, like even with the I know, again, the penalty shout, you could say was maybe 50 50. VAR possibly would have given it. We, we cleared a couple off the line and I've still got nightmares about Aidan Flint from the championship season when we were two nil up at home to Cardiff. Um, and that was always in the back of my mind. But then, you know, we, we were just so on it. It was just such a good performance from us. You know, Michael Smith, the best aerial attacker in the league. And you've got Frankie Kent coming out of it with 100% aerial duels won. Ronnie Edwards, actually one of the poorest performers in League One for um, for aerial duels. And he was, you know, he had Michael Smith in his pocket. So every player just played so well. And regarding what you were saying about Wednesday, I mean, they they were celebrating promotion in February, weren't they? And here they are now with relegation confirmed in May back in League One. So, um, you know, they choked earlier in the season and they're choking again. There was just so little pressure on us. It was a free hit. And I think that played out maybe in some of those big moments. You know, we went for those shots. They were maybe slightly nervous and tense. And that's why Smith didn't connect with it as much as he should. Um, and, you know, we were just absolutely on it. The third goal in particular, the, the you know, Taylor's break where he goes past Bannon and then it doesn't quite work. But Norburn's pass is, is inch perfect into Mason Clark. And then his cross, I don't know if you look, I've watched that goal yeah. so many times. The ball bounces just before he hits it with his left foot. And that ball could have gone anywhere. It could have gone into the queue in KFC. Um, and it didn't. It was pinpoint. And it, you look at it and you think that's, you know, those fine margins, those moments, they went our way. But it was partly down to a bit of that, partly down to our quality, partly down to the fact we just went for it. So it was just... It was just a night where it was just 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 sort of perfect. And as you say, the one the one negative, the one slight negative I've been thinking about all weekend is it should have been five. It really should have been. Poppy should have scored that. But um, but yeah, I, I just I, it was just what what a night and everything kind of the big calls went our way. But but we with some of them made them go our way. Yeah, and you make, you do make your own luck in football, I agree. Interesting to say about the big calls, I mean, we'll talk about the, the penalty incident in just a moment, but I guess just an open message to the Posh fans who love to berate a ref on, on Twitter. Um, just remember Friday night, because all the 50-50s went Posh's way. I think the referee was, I wouldn't go as far as to say biased, but we absolutely had the rub of the green from, from the officials on all the big calls there, penalty decision aside, um, because they didn't see it. Um so just remember that next time we're slagging off the referee, remember it does work in roundabouts. There is karma. We do get games where they're uh, they're on our side too. Uh, Nathan, it was, I mean, it was great. I think Sam summed it up perfectly there, and and, and Dan as well. It, it was, yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? Second half confidence was high. It just suddenly seemed to become really slick and incredibly easy on the eye. Yeah, I think that ultimately came from the game plan. I'm convinced that that. That was what we were planning was that to get an early goal, you know, get on their backs. Um, and ultimately we did that. I mean, I, I can see your point of view in that it didn't feel like a 2-0 game, definitely at half time. Um, 
but ultimately I think it looked like we were really the side that was trying to win it. I think, as you mentioned, we gave them every opportunity they had. That was from our misplaced passes. That was from our own mistakes rather than that, them necessarily carving anything out. And I, I don't mean to denigrate Sheffield Wednesday. They're, they are a very good side and, and ultimately, you know, they've, they finished on 90 odd points. So they're, they're clearly, you know, they've got ability. But from what I could see, their tactics seemed to be ping it into Barry Bannon and then he looks for, for Smith up front. That seemed to be their game plan. I didn't really see anything beyond that. Um, their chances came from set pieces largely again which surprisingly we seem to deal with incredibly well, which, you know, as Sam mentioned, Frankie Kent at the back, you know, winning all of his duels was, was fantastic. Um, I just, something I mentioned to my dad on the walk back to, to home from the ground was that for some reason they left Burroughs completely free on the left wing every single time. And especially in that first half, I think it might've been the same from, for, for Joe Ward on the other flank. I couldn't see quite how much space he had. But it just seemed to be a tactic of theirs that they gave us so much space on that side. Um, and I think a lot of the goals seemed to come from that, especially in the first half. The two goals there, um, that came from from that flank. And I just, I, I couldn't quite understand that. I feel like that was really sort of foolish tactic on, on their point of view. But from, from my point of view, in terms of the way that we played, I thought we went at it. We looked really, really punchy and, you know, up for it. Um, from minute one and obviously you know we did give a few few passes away you know early on in that first half but I think beyond the sort of 20th 25th minute it really looked like one side was desperately trying to win that game um, and I think Dan and I mentioned this on, on the last pod, pod that I was on was that this squad is capable of doing that our squad can do this and and it's it's frustrating when we don't do it because you could see it in the in the, the ability and you know we've got promoted before with effectively most of the same squad um, and I think Friday night's performance was kind of, it really signposted that to me, that, that that is in the DNA of this club, that we can go and do performances like that. Um, and we just need to see that more often because, as Jack Taylor said in, in his post-match interview, we can beat anyone in the league on our day. When we're like this, no one can stop us. And, and I think that definitely came across. Um, but also on the flip side, I think we can't get our hopes up too high. I think we need to go, go into that game um, on Thursday with effectively a blank canvas um, rather than going there thinking the job's done. I think we we need to see that game as, as one that needs to be won in its own right. Um, you know, Friday's done, um, Thursday's still a, another job to finish off. Yeah, very sound, stoic advice. I absolutely agree. Dan, we've already talked about a few players. We've mentioned a few names. Burroughs, fantastic. Ward, brilliant down his side. Edwards, sensational. <clears throat> Kent, was good ironically probably the weakest of the four but was still by far one of his best performances of the season Norris brilliant Taylor out of this world and is quite rightly getting all of the plaudits the front the front three brilliant I do also just want to mention Kipianu uh, to you Dan because he doesn't seem to have got too much in the way of credit but for me he was that link player he was that that missing he was that that jigsaw piece and I think there's a reason and it's quite telling that we didn't if we didn't make you know we did make a sub right didn't we right at the end we brought Ricky J Jones on but it was right deep into injury time before we made any sort of personnel changes um which I think is quite telling uh, was it a 10 out of 10 from everyone for you yeah I think it, it it really was or as close as makes little difference I mean you know like you mentioned Kipriani Kipriani had a fantastic game he was sensational from start to finish and Edwards you know I mean you know every game for, for Edwards is a 10 from me, but this one really was a 10. Um, it, no, just 
absolutely outstanding. You know, maybe you, you lay some questions on Norris for, you know, the the fanciness that he tries sometimes. And, you know, he likes to think that he's Edison when, you know, he needs to sort of reality check himself sometimes that he's played in League One. Um, but, you know, the mistakes in the first half aside and, and, you know, just a little bit of cockiness here and there from the players, which I guess you like to see. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. And, you know, in the ground, they gave the man of the match to Norburn. And I, I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I'd have picked Norburn, but then I couldn't have picked anybody else either. So, you know, it, it was absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, you struggle to, to pick players out for bad performances when you walk away from a, a 4-0 win, don't you? So. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's valid. And to be fair, you know, I give everybody the big build up there except Norburn. You're quite right. I think Norburn. Well, we know we know what he's capable of, isn't we? I suppose we've come to expect that sort of level of consistency uh, from him. Um, <clears throat> mentality, though, Sam. So there's we'll talk in a moment about how the Wednesday fans conducted themselves prior to the game. But just focusing on a, I guess, a press point of view. And you you mentioned um, about Sky and some of the the issues that we, we've had around Sky and how they focus so much on on Wednesday post-game. And a lot of the media that's been produced since has been focusing on how poor Wednesday were rather than how good Posh were. Do you think that that's a result of the fact that they finished on 8,972 points compared to Posh's 12? Um, or do you think it's just that they carry such an aura as a big club against little old Peterborough? I, I'm just interested kind of how you take how the media has portrayed the game. Well, I think um, do you know, I, I think I think a lot of it is is that big club mentality in terms of it's done on sheer volume of of supporters, and not just that, but we live in a social media age, right, where people broadcast knowing that they're going to put clips online, they're going to put clips on on social media, and so you know they know editorially if they focus more on Sheffield Wednesday it's going to get more clicks it's going to get more views it's going to get more impressions and with Sheffield Wednesday you've not only got the Wednesday fan base you've got the Sheffield United fan base who are going to love that content as well um whereas Peterborough is just so much smaller um and so that is just a natural I guess yeah natural part of being a a smaller club I think I think again there is element you know there is editorial value in the story that Wednesday got 96 points no one's finished on that high points and not got promoted but it, it you know it does start to go into the realms of being disrespectful and I don't know if you've heard what Jamie O'Hara has been saying on TalkSport and you know if that was the you know and for those who didn't very quickly he basically said that Wednesday should have gone straight through to the final Posh should have played uh, Bolton in 65th then they should have gone into a semi-final against Barnsley and then they go into the final against Wednesday now we can't live in an alternative universe to know if he would, but if Posh finished on 96 and Sheffield Wednesday finished on 77, would he be saying the same thing? Now we'd probably say no, probably not. But, you know, look at, we're, we're recording at the time that Bradford and Carlisle are still playing and no one, every, everyone who's played at home is either won or drawn, which means all the clubs who just snuck in in the last place or not just snuck in in some cases, but were in the last place have won or drawn. They've not lost. So, yeah, there might be a big points difference, but they're still there on merit and they can still beat them. And that's just the way it works. So, um, yeah, you know, Sky were fantasising over Sheffield Wednesday, focusing on that a lot. But um, I think, yeah, it's just that, like I said, it just comes down to the digital age and, and impressions and reach and all those numbers. But, you know, I'd like to think hopefully now that Posh have shown them that 
you know, we, we we are good enough. And the problem for us this season has just been consistency. We can string three or four games together. We know that. Um, and we have had problems with the big games. Look at how our players spectacularly failed to perform at Cambridge in, you know, a game that meant so much to the fans. They they really flopped that that day, but they've picked themselves up and they really performed. And again, Sheffield Wednesday twice now, they've been under pressure in the season, last uh, Friday night and, you know, back when they're on their 25 game, whatever, unbeaten run and, and, and going for it. And they flopped then. So, you know, it, it does happen, even if you get, as you say, Tim, 8,596 points or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, Jamie O'Hara's point was <clears throat> kind of lost at the fact that Posh beat Wednesday 4-0. Uh, I kind of feel <laughs> like it sort of makes a bit of a moot point of... Although, controversial opinion number two, uh, again, please don't hail me here, but I do kind of see the logic in what he's saying. I know that they work that sort of playoff system in, I want to say, Scotland. Um, there is a league somewhere where... It might be the National League, actually. The National League. Yeah, National League, there. they do it. Yeah, it's like a stepped approach, isn't it? So the higher you finish, the less games you play in the playoffs. And actually, I can kind of see the theory. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to you know, slag off too much because we've potentially just uh, benefit, benefited from some fragility in Sheffield Wednesday's uh, mentality, potentially. Which leads me nicely, Nathan, on to uh, Sheffield Wednesday's mentality. Uh, they seem to come into this game... Uh, again, it's not for me to slag off other teams. They came, it felt like they came quite arrogant. And again, we'll, we'll talk about the, the fans with Dan in just a second. But the team themselves seem to be maybe just expecting to roll us over, perhaps. I don't know if that's because they did ultimately back in March. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, how did you do you feel the, the Wednesday team set up? Do you think they gave us enough respect? Um, I don't think that they feared us, to be honest. That was the sense that I got. I know I've just mentioned that, but yeah, it didn't seem like they were up for it. I can't even begin to explain what must have been going through their heads, to be honest. It, it there didn't seem to be the right mentality there from the start. I mean, you know, you mentioned the the Smith chance, um, you know, where we give the ball away, he runs through. There was no conviction in that effort. There was no I didn't feel like he was gonna score that. And, you know, I'm, you know, hundreds of yards away. Um, but I, I didn't feel like he was going to finish that. And to be honest, besides the penalty decision, which concerned me, obviously, because you can see it and think, oh, God, um, I really didn't feel like they were going to score. Um, you know, obviously, there was the two two off the line. But again, you know, we had lots of men back and, you know, two or three players on the line that managed to clear it. So I never really felt like their mentality was there. And it didn't really feel like there was there was much of a a fight or a battle there. And especially, you know, Tuna down at half time, you really expect them to come out in, in the second half. Um, and besides a sort of maybe 10 minute spell um, midway through that second half, after we'd got the third goal where they, they did rally a bit, um, it, it just seemed to be a bit too easy, um, which, you know, I, I don't want to sort of, you know, get their backs up ahead of this um, second leg, but yeah, the mentality just seemed to be all wrong. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, we we had our heads in the right space, and and you could see that from the players right from minute one, um, that we were really up for it. We were trying to win every duel. You know, we were punching into our tackles. We were getting the ball forward. We were really trying to win it, and you just didn't see that. And and maybe the they've taken too much of that that sort of mentality from the fan base on Twitter. I don't know. Maybe they did feel that you know we've beaten this side you know comfortably at home. Um, we've got to just go away and turn up, and we should roll these over. I don't know. Um, I, I think I got that mentality a little bit from when I did one of the Sheffield Wednesday pods before the game um, a few months back. 
um, they did sort of seem really confident, and that was during their their winning run. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just wrong club for them at the wrong time. I don't know. Um, maybe also a combination of of them bottling, um, you know, promotion last year, and maybe that's kind of come back to haunt them again. I don't know. But yeah, the mentality was completely off, um, and it it really didn't make sense. It was quite odd to see. I think. Um, but you know, positive for us, I suppose, especially coming coming to uh, the game on Thursday. Absolutely. And Dan, I know that you did uh, the Wednesday week pod uh, prior to the game. How? What sort of sense did you get there? Nathan obviously did it a few months back, kind of had that maybe swag of it's only Peterborough. Was that the sort of impression you got when you did their podcast this week? Or last week, I should say. Yeah, I, I, I mean, exactly as you just said, um, they were the exact words that were used. It's only Peterborough. And, you know, he, he sort of said it in a, in a more of a, a banterous way than a, a sort of outright slanderous but it, it was you know it was along the lines of the fan bases of the opinion it's only Peterborough um and they're going to piss it and he went on to say that in actual fact you know Peterborough have been a bit of a bogey team in the last decade for for Sheffield Wednesday we, we uh, I think we've played six times and we've, we've got a, a draw or a, a win uh four out of the six so you know it's nothing's given in football that's that's the key thing you know and, you know bogey teams it's not really a thing if you think about it, you know, because the team that we've got now is not even remotely similar to the team we had five, six, seven, eight, you know, however many years ago when we, we played them before this, this, you know, stint they've had in League One. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely came into this game thinking, ah, oh, we've got this, you know, we're such a huge club in, in English football and, you know, they rightly got shown their arses. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it, Nathan? Because there was obviously a, a, where you were and, and kind of taking everything that's going on atmosphere-wise. Second half, you could really feel the venom coming from the Wednesday fans towards yeah. each other, evidently. I've seen some videos of them scrapping with each other, but also towards their players. I know at the end of the game, there was chance of you're not fit to wear the shirt, blah, blah, blah. But And I get it. I don't know the ins and outs of what's going on off, their, off, the, off the pitch, but they've just finished... And like you know, eight million points. Do they have a right to be annoyed? It just feels a bit. I don't know. I mean, any club that loses four 0 in a playoff first leg has got a right to be annoyed. I think. Yeah. I think if, if the boot were on the other foot, we'd be absolutely furious, and this pod would have, yeah, been a bit fireworks. Um, but yeah, they're, to be fair to them, I thought at three nil, I thought a lot of the, these fans are going to walk and they're going to go home straight away. You know, Friday night, no sort of trains. Um, they've all probably driven or somehow got travel down there. I'd have thought they'd have gone, but to to be fair, don't think too many of them had, had left, at, especially at four now even. Um, but yeah, they, I don't know, they they must have turned up. They must have turned up thinking, yeah, we've got this. I, I can't see how they couldn't have, um, judging by the Twitter reaction when obviously they found out they were playing us. Um, and I suppose ultimately that's completely the wrong mentality ha- to to have. Um, and it, it really does go to show that, you know, there is no big club, small club. We're all in the same league for a reason. We're all just as good as one another often. Um, you know, a lot of this league, uh, you know, could give anyone a game. Um, and ultimately, that's that's been proven that they can beat us at, at their place. But, you know, ultimately, we've we've had them come to, to our ground in, in a big playoff game and we've, you know, played them off the park. So... That's that's how it goes, you know. Football can be be completely different at, at the toss of a coin, you know. Um, and mentality-wise, they they just have gone into it with completely the wrong idea. 
um, you know, they've played the, I suppose, the occasion rather than the game. Um, and they've kind of ha- been handed it to them, really. Um, yeah. You know, if, I think if, if they could replay that game, I think they would completely have a, an entirely different mindset to to uh, start that game. And I think the fan base probably would be a lot more wary of us as well. Yeah, um, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how both the fans and the, the, the players approach that this coming Thursday. It's interesting with the fans, though. Um, they certainly didn't help themselves online. Uh, and so you mentioned about the Sheffield United fans jumping on every little post that Wednesday had put about Wembley. Uh, one post that has gone relatively viral, I don't know if you fellows have seen this, is a poster that had appeared somewhere in Sheffield, I'm quite sure, uh, basically saying playoff final Wembley uh, coach from Fox, call Lisa to book a seat. I'm not sure if you've uh, seen this uh, poster whereby they had already arranged uh, group travel to uh, Wembley. So I wondered if we should maybe give Lisa a quick call um, and just see whether or not that is still uh, an option. Bear with me just a second. Oh, Lisa, you've you've done us over there. Is that that's not an incorrect number she's put on that poster? Surely, it is so upsetting. That is. is I think she's blocked her phone or like thrown it out or something because she's been inundated with exactly that. She has got so inundated with Peterborough fans calling to book Wembley coach tickets. It's such a shame. I was hoping to hear some sort of middle-aged, disgruntled Yorkshire woman. I had an amazing script lined up for that prank call. Now, (laughs) I wonder then if this is a Sheffield United fan that put this online prior to the game, knowing full well that when something like this happened, it would come back to haunt Wednesday. I wonder if we've unearthed a gem from Sheffield United here. I was I was going to say before you phoned, like I wonder I wonder, have we checked the veracity of this? Is it actually true? Was it from like ten years ago or something? But um I hope you did that with no caller ID, Tim. I did I did, I did it. I was I was all ready to introduce myself as Jared. Uh, I was gonna ask um whereabouts in Peterborough the coach would pick us up from. Uh, I was gonna tell her that I lived at four zero Lincoln Road. I had all these amazing little puns lined up. Spent all day thinking about this. And it's not even a, an, an active number. Absolutely gutted. Lisa, you've let us down. Um, but in any case, the point that we made uh, still stands about Wednesday approaching this game. Completely wrong from the fan perspective. And hopefully we will start to get a little bit more uh, respect. Um, just touching on um, bookies a little bit. So Wednesday were, someone we mentioned this, Wednesday were massive favourites, not only to beat us, but to win the playoffs. Ironically, uh, they're now no longer favourites to win the playoffs, but Interestingly, after the first two playoff legs have been played, reminding ourselves, of course, that Bolton and Barnsley played out a 1-1 draw up in the northwest, um, we're now favourites to go up. And so I wonder, with what Dan was just saying, whether or not we prefer to be the underdog? I mean, it's going to be tight, whoever we play in the final, if we get there, of course. Yeah, I mean, this is where Darren Ferguson has to has to be the manager um, and really clamp down on any belief that that we're through because yeah you know what is it the fourth time that that or fifth time that four nil has been four goals is the difference after the first leg of a, of a playoff semi final and the other four times all the teams have made it through to the final but only one of them has gone on and won the final and that's the danger for us now isn't it thinking that you know we take the foot off the gas or change the mentality and 
he's got a lot of work to do to make sure that the players don't don't shift their mentality and 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 us as fans as well you know in in all the celebrations of friday night i didn't see too many you know i saw a lot of people saying well you know it's it's still not won we've won four nil sheffield wednesday can just as equally win four nil at their place um you know if it's five nil it's it's another step further but you know four nil it's it's football stranger things have happened it's highly unlikely you'd like to think um but yeah that shift in odds you know, I don't know if the players will know about that, but it, but it, but it does reflect the fact that Posh are now in a very different place in this playoff race compared to where they were before, and it was a free hit for us, um, and it absolutely was anything but a free hit for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, it's. I was looking. I, I nearly put a fiver on Posh before the Wednesday game for Posh to be promoted, and I think the returns were like yeah, twenty-seven quid, whereas I think Wednesday was sort of thirteen to eight. So what we were like five to one, and they were less than two to one. So, you know, one and a half to one. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a huge shift, but it was a huge performance. Um, but I just think you have to be so moronic to, if that is true to, and I think maybe, you know, leases may have, might have been fabricated, but certainly there were Wednesday fans talking about Wembley, talking about buying hotels and booking travel down. I mean, it's just so stupid, isn't it? It's so moronic. And I do wonder if, 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 posh were aware of that and used it in in some way to fire them up yeah I, I do wonder that too and it was really interesting sam as well the prior to the game so having since watched it back on sky after uh, after friday um pre-match press pre-match press conferences that they did for sky so you tunnel you know interviews if you like as as the as the game's approaching um darren moore said uh basically this is the same as any other game of the season. We we treat it the same. We just go out, we approach it exactly the same. Darren Ferguson, however, was very much like we're playing to the occasion. It's big. We have to get the players, you know, aware of what's at stake. Two completely different mentalities at how they approach the game. Uh, I wonder if that fed into it in a way, because you, you're quite right about Fergie in terms of he's now needs to manage, but um, he nailed Friday. So full respect and, and full confidence that he'll manage the team effectively for the second leg. And and that's really interesting, Tim, because if if we were to compare the last sort of high emotion, high, you know, high cost, high stake game, full posh, it was the Cambridge game away only a month or so ago. And going into that one, that was not what Darren Ferguson said. He said the complete opposite. He said what Darren Moore said. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're aware of it for the fans, but this is just any other game. Three points are at stake, whereas Mark Bonner, the Cambridge manager, was very much the other way. We need to be emotionally attached to the game was the phrase I think he used. And we need to be aware of that and use that to our advantage. So I I do wonder if Darren Ferguson, I have to say Darren Ferguson, so you're not thinking I'm saying Darren Moore. um, (laughs) I do think, or Fergie, I do think Fergie has learned I wonder if he's learned from that because that is a marked shift from what he was saying ahead of the last big game only a month ago. Yeah, this is this is the exact point that I made on the last pod that I was on was that the mentality seemed to be just completely the wrong way around. That Cambridge were really really big in the game up. We were really really trying to sort of dull it down. Um, and I wonder if, as Sam said, that 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 must have been the case because you know it's a playoff game. You can't the players know it's a playoff game. You can't get away from that. Trying to dull it down and say it's just any other game. That's that's never going to work. Players are always going to know in the back of their mind, this is, you know, we're two games from Wembley. Here. Um, you know, ultimately that has to be the mindset of, yeah, we're two games from Wembley. Yes, it is another game, but we need to go with the the correct mentality thinking, yeah, we're a good side, but also we need to be wary of this team. Um, and, and ultimately, I think we, we must have gone and, and done that um, in, in the game on Friday. 
Absolutely. He's whatever he did pre-match certainly worked. Uh, at the risk of doing a Wednesday, we did ask fans on Twitter how confident they are about us getting to Wembley now. Uh, Emma Verd says, it's not over until the final whistle on Thursday. None of us are doing a Wednesday, although there will be a lot of hotel reservations becoming available. Uh, will says... Um, I'm in the it's not over camp, but I will enjoy tonight and cherish the win. Uh, Jade said we're Peterborough. I don't trust anything yet. Uh, Andrew Griffin says he's booked the hotel, train tickets, got the bag packed, bring on Wembley. And Paul Day says would be the biggest failure of all time. This tie is over. Interesting. We'll have a quick break and then we will look ahead to this tie that, according to Paul Day, is over. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So before we get into Hillsborough, it's that time of year again. Then for the Yellow Block End of Season Awards, you can still send in your nominations for the awards. Just head on over to the yellowblock.co.uk and click on End of Seasons Awards. Um, T-I-M is how you spell my name if you wish to nominate me for host of the season. Uh, the others also spell their name T-I-M, which is uh, good for me this year. So that's great news. Uh, we'll collate the nomination in time for the super prestigious award ceremony. That's too big a word to say after a 12-hour shift, uh, after the season is finished. We've received lots of nominations so far. But something tells me there'll be a few more. Um, so, for example, match of the season. Uh, we've had a few nominations in. I fully expect that may have changed a little bit after Friday night and may change again on Bank Holiday Monday, should we get there. Uh, just quickly, Sam, uh, Nathan. Obviously, Sam, we've already talked about host of the season last week. Nathan, host of the season, feeling confident? <laughs> Probably not, no, if I'm being fully honest. Um, yeah, give it to one of the golden oldies. That would be what I'd say. Oh, thanks very much. I'll, I'll, I mean, <laughs> I don't really know how to deal with it's that. It's a compliment, I suppose. Yeah. Old and wise, yeah. I mean, it felt like a compliment, but it also felt like an insult at the same time. <laughs> a mixture of emotions. But yeah, thanks very much. Listen to what Nathan says. Um, a little bit of feedback from the last episode as well. So Dave F says... Two seconds, hold on. <clears throat> Dave F. didn't say that. Uh, Dave F. says, uh, regarding the Yellow Blocks chat on Darren Ferguson and whether he should stay or go if we were to go up, for me, it's not a DF can't do championship issue. The issue is that very few managers stand a chance of keeping a Peter United squad up and they aren't the sort to put up with D-Max meddling so wouldn't join. <sighs> Controversial. Although shared, I expect, by a large section of the fan base. And Max Casper says, we're never, we've never really invested heavily in the team when gaining promotion previously. Experience and physical power is an asset in staying up. Uh, I mean, let's go with that then, Sam. Let's start on uh, just sort of rounding up what we talked about previously with uh, Darren Ferguson. Do you think it's fair to say that we haven't invested properly in the championship like Max alludes to there? Well, that I mean, that's certainly what, <laughs> what Darren himself said when he left the last time. Um, that there wasn't the level of investment that that he was anticipating. Didn't feel like he was back, particularly in the in the January transfer window. So, um, you know, that's kind of come from the horse's mouth, so to speak. You know, rather than it being speculation or hearsay. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think I think it's a a fair claim, and I think you know a lot of the the, the talk in the summer was around that, wasn't there? Last you know this, last year. Um, about how posh just won't go for those experienced players on those big wages. They'd rather invest in in the youth. 
and the sort of debate was well it doesn't have to be one or the other you you, you could possibly blend the two um so it will it will be interesting to see what route posh go down if they go up will they stick to their guns or, or will they be a bit more flexible and 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 um and diversify a bit in terms of their their transfer strategy so so we'll see but you know you know everyone always talks about posh from outside don't they and say oh you know it's where players can go and progress their career and get a step onto the onto the next and I th- I, that is both a blessing and a curse for posh it's a reason why you may be able to sign players that you wouldn't be able to sign because you can you can give them that sort of not promise but that you know look at what we've done to the careers of x y and z um, but also you then worry are people just using posh as a as a stepping stone so um difficult one but i think i think the debate's still there to be had with with with, with darren and posh in league one it's a no-brainer darren and posh in the championship it, it still doesn't quite feel like it it would be right but we're getting towards decision time aren't we for um the people who make the decisions for 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 Dara, for Jason, for Randy, if he's involved in this decision. Um so so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's what what's happened, what's 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 happening. I mean people are saying believe there's a deal to be done. Sky was saying on Friday that he's not, you know, he's not signed yet and there's there's um you know still uncertainty over it. But I think some of the other things Sky was saying you wouldn't necessarily trust what they were saying much at all. So um yeah it'll be interest it'll be interesting to see. But I think I think it's a debate that will go on until we know if he signed a deal or Posh are looking elsewhere. Yeah, and it's definitely, I'm sure, something that we'll debate um, in due course and certainly over the summer. Just quickly, Nathan, because I know you weren't on the last episode we did where we discussed this. Where are you, I'm fully aware we've got hindsight of the Wednesday game, but where are you in terms of Fergie and Fergie out just now? Um, I'm probably still where I was when he first got appointed, um, in which I can see the reasons to keep him, and I wouldn't be unhappy at that. I also do think that maybe we need a fresh voice, someone that's not been with these players before, especially in the championship. Um, but, you know, you've said, you know, with the benefit of hindsight after the Wednesday result, how can you really discount that now? Especially if we go and win the playoffs. I, realistically, can I can I form an argument to say Fergie shouldn't be here if, if he wins the playoffs? I probably can't. Not one that I would believe anyway. So... Yeah, I'm. I'm very much. That sounds like I'm on the fence, but I don't think we can really answer that question. I think until the playoffs are over, I think ultimately, if if we don't don't win them, then fair enough. Fergie's done a decent job. Um, let's maybe look at someone else. Um, if if he wins us the playoffs, which you know I think a hell of a lot of that would be down to him. If we did, um, then ultimately he probably is going to stay. And I guess we as a fan base just need to be like, you know, okay, fair enough. Let's let's give this another crack. Um, because I don't think we're we're going to get another option. That's uh, Nathan with a, a media training level answer there in terms of sitting on the fence and answering the question without answering the question. But no, you, you're you're quite right. You are you are right. I'm only joking, and it is a valid point you make about the Wednesday game. You can't discount that um, yeah. because his stock absolutely changed. It's just weird, isn't it? Because we're you know, riding this high wave and yet there's still kind of murmurings around the manager, but that's the posh way. Um, we've talked about what happened in uh, Bolton 1-1. Barnsley dominated that game in terms of uh, chances. But just quickly, Dan, how are the Boltonians, I don't know if that's what they call themselves, feeling after this weekend? So it seems like a, a mixed bag. So a couple that I've spoken to have said they're relieved. They they thought that nerves might get the better of the team and, you know, that they're happy with the result. Um and others have said that it was, you know, terrible that they didn't really turn up. They they had to wait until they, they went one nil down to sort of get a foothold in the game. So it's 
it's a bit of uh, you know half a dozen of one and, and six of the other. It's, it's it's a bit of a strange one. I think that it, it's it's gonna it's gonna play out to extra time. I, I honestly don't see anyone getting a, a winner in regulation in that game. It's it, it just seemed too cagey. I don't know if you watched the game on the, on Sky at the weekend, but it it just felt far too emotional for both teams. There was yeah, just nerves flying all over the place and, and a complete contrast to our game, both in scoreline and, and in in end product, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Their second uh, second leg is at uh, Oakwell on Friday night, so we will uh, we will hopefully already have booked our spot at Wembley by the time that second leg plays out. Uh, let's talk Thursday then, uh, Nathan. This is we've already talked a little bit around how we set up from a mentality point of view. I mean, any fan, any posh fan would have taken four 0 Friday morning. Of course, we would. However. It's almost like a 2-0, you know, during a normal 90-minute game. It's a dangerous scoreline, ironically, because as you quite rightly said, if we can score four at home, they absolutely can score four at home. So, of course, we're in a great position, but how do we set up tactically now to make sure that we stay in that good position? Um, I think we, we do that old adage of, you know, splitting the game up into into quarters, really, um, and ultimately just trying to get through each, each quarter, um, you know, unscathed. I think... We, we can't do what we did in the, the, the sort of first 15, 20 minutes of that game on Friday in, in the giving the ball away in our own half, um, you know, giving them opportunities. We can't do that. That's going to give them hope. That's going to get their fans up and, and that's ultimately going to go the, the wrong way for us. I think, yeah, we, we need to quiet them down, um, try and control the game. I don't necessarily think we need to go gung-ho, but at the same time, I don't want us to sit back. Um, I think it just needs to, to be a game where we make it cagey um, try and nick a goal here or there, um, just to really like quiet them down. Um, but yeah, we we need to go in in as we've said with with the right mentality because I think anything else is is going to be, you know, potentially a, a banana skin. You know, I know four nil is is a massive result, um, but you've seen greater things happen. Um, and I yeah, I would be concerned with that. So yeah, hopefully we we go there with with the idea of just trying to keep the game tight, keep it cagey. Um, and, and try and nick a goal here or there. Um, I'd be happy with with a, a nil-nil draw, to be honest. Um, the only concern I have really is that if we do lose the game, even if it's by one nil, then we've slightly lost the momentum we've built. So I think anything other than a, a draw, um, or you know, it, just losing the game really is is what I'm concerned about. Um, you know, I don't want that momentum being lost because I think that'll be really really key going into the final. Um, especially as as you know, Barnsley and Bolton have drawn their game, uh, their first leg. So I think we we really need to go in there with with the momentum that we built up in the last sort of three or four weeks. Yeah, and Sam, we we know the mentality around this posh side in terms of being under pressure. Those first sort of 15, 20 minutes are going to be crucial on Thursday, aren't they, in terms of where we find ourselves. Concede early, that's going to be an uncomfortable uh, evening. Yeah, if we concede inside first 20, then, it you know, as much as it... It's still a long way to go. It just gives Sheffield Wednesday that extra element of belief. And and it's interesting what Nathan just said there about not wanting to to lose because of momentum and going back to the stats around the previous four teams to to win by four in the first leg and that only one went on to actually, they all went on to win the final, but only one went on to win it because maybe you do take your foot off the gas a bit or you change your playing style in the second leg um and then you do lose a bit of that momentum so that that will be an interesting consideration for for Darren Ferguson 
to manage. But but yeah, that first 20 minutes is key. If we get through that, then then you feel increasingly confident because Sheffield Wednesday have not been beaten at home since September. They've only lost once at home all season. That wow. was Barnsley. So, you know, they are imperious at home. They score on average more than two a game. They concede fewer than one. And that's why, you know, we kind of had to be 4-0 up. I mean, even if we were 3-0 up, I'd be feeling a heck of a lot more nervous. That fourth has taken a lot of pressure off it for me. But um, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday Hills for the season have been imperious. And what would you do personnel-wise, Sam, for Posh? Keep it the same? Well, yeah, you probably have to because of Barnsley away and then the home game on Friday night. But I did think it was a, it was a big call again from Darren. I mean, I know the easy thing to do was to was to was to keep a, a winning team, but but again, a real trait of Sheffield Wednesday's play this season has been using the using the wide areas, using the width, getting crosses in. You know, they've done that more than any other team in the league this season, and. Interesting, it's how they scored against us back in March with the own goal coming down from the from the left-hand side, our right. So, you know, then you think we had to kind of go with that away at Barnsley to get the win. It's two-legged against Sheffield Wednesday. Do you go a bit more conservative and, and not play Joe Ward and Harrison Burrows as your full-backs? But then they've got the momentum. And, and I think you were saying earlier, Nathan, about surprised by how much space they gave us. But they do like to get their wide players up with the three at the back. And so it did give Ward and Burroughs the space. If we could defend it well aerially, which Kent and Edwards did a magnificent job of, and then getting it into the midfield um, quickly, then then it would, it would pay off. So it was another big call from, from Fergie with the team selection. So, yeah, I think I think he kind of has to go go for the same because of the last two games, but also because if he doesn't, the message it maybe sends to both his players and to Sheffield Wednesday's players, you know, we're not going to sit back and, and park the bus here and just hope that if we go ultra-defensive, we might concede two. Um, we're not going to really concede four. Um, I think he will sort of still want to keep it quite open and, and yeah, show Sheffield Wednesday that we're not messing about. Yeah, I'd play the kids personally. I'd get the under eights out for this one. The tie's over, so um, I'd get the kids. No, you're quite right. I think I think we can't, for me personally, we can't go there and defend. It's not the posh way in any case, and it's certainly not the Fergie way um, to go there and defend. And I think we have to keep that attacking threat because we need Wednesday to be wary pushing forward. If we just sit back, they will push everybody forward. And if they do that, man v man, they're, they're a better side. So we will concede. And then it's really just a question of how many. So I think we have to keep that attacking threat. And hopefully, like Nathan said, they keep our wide players with plenty of space because that was undoubtedly the difference with Kiprianu, Norburn and Taylor pulling the strings in the middle. Uh, Dan, from, from Wednesday's point of view, I mean, are you expecting a fight from them? Oh, God, yeah. I... I... <laughs> I think that from a mentality point of view, they're, they're going to have to be of the opinion that they're playing for their jobs. I, I think every man, given given the fans' reaction to, to losing to us at home, um, you know, every man in that team has got to be thinking, well, they're not going to want me here next season if we don't come through this. And, you know, like you, you've alluded to, you know, we, we give them that momentum by sitting back they're a very dangerous team and they can score a lot of goals. So we just can't afford to do that, you know? So I think we, we need to keep majority of the same team, if not the exact same team. And I think we need to to go for it. Like it's nil nil, 
not necessarily you know pushing everyone forward but but really trying to get anything out just a goal or, or make sure that they know that if they push too many players forward like they did when they went three 0 down on the road you know because they bloody looked like they were going to score for a good five ten minute period you know giving them that fear that they can't do that is going to be essential because you know they score early Oof, i'm going to be very 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 nervous no one has scored more in the first 15 minutes in League One matches this season than Sheffield Wednesday. They've scored the oh. most in the entire league. Thanks, that, Sam. <laughs> I'm just saying it. That's that just adds to that being a key part of the game. That has yeah. to be the stat though that Fergie leads with in in his talks with the players. Has got to be look, get past the first 15 minutes, and we're in in a good position. I think that's that's really what I would say is that defensively we need to be wary that we probably are going to have an onslaught it is going to come at us um and we need to be ready to to spring back at them and, and go the other way so yeah I, I think once we get past the first half an hour if we can do unscathed still nil nil um then you know that their fan is their fans are going to get behind them and you know get on their backs i think you know especially after the the result on friday they they surely you know, if, if they don't see a goal or two in the game, I think they're, they're really going to be on their backs and, and obviously rightly so from their point of view. So, yeah, if, if we can keep it to nil-nil, I think that's when, you know, they're going to go um, really, really up against them, I think. And I think we're seeing this from the posh perspective. If you look, if you flip it and look at it from the Sheffield Wednesday perspective, are they also going to want to lose the tie in the first 15? You know, might their game plan be to, well, let's maybe see if we're 1-0 ahead at half-time Get a yeah. second in the second half and then go from there because if we do if we score early it's over mm-hmm. and one thing they're going to be really wary of now is us on the counter after that third goal and some of yeah. the forward play so actually just as much as we don't want to let them back in it in the first 15 20 they're not going to want to concede and lose it so they might actually be quite cagey and uncommitted yeah. in the first 15 20 as well yeah that's valid. I mean, I'm expecting it to be quite cagey, personally. I the reason I asked Dan about the the fight, and you know, you, you it was kind of like, well, of course they will. I, I'm not. There's something happening at that club. You, you look at what's going on off the pitch with the fans and stuff. I wouldn't be overly surprised if we don't see that much fight from Wednesday. They feel like they're broken. Like Darren Moore at the end of that game. I know he'd just been beaten four nil, but he looked he looked a broken man. He looked like he was clueless, if I'm honest, in that last sort of 10, 15 minutes. It looked like there was no plan B or C or whatever they were on at that point. And I just wonder if there won't be a massive fight. The fans are already starting to get on their backs and we've not even kicked the ball. I don't know. I I think it'd be quite a horrible atmosphere, if I'm honest, from a Wednesday point of view. I just I don't think it's a given that we'll see that fight. Yeah, no, I see where your point is. I, the thing is, they were very quick to turn on them. Hmm. You know, even even just at 1-0, those fans were completely changed from, from the fans that started the game. You know, they were very loud, if not the loudest fans that have been at Under Road all season. You know, and you know that, that first goal goes in and they're silent. And, you know, obviously there's, there's an emotional point of view of, of going 1-0 down in the playoffs, but you know, normally the fans, you know, after a couple of minutes are back in, you know, that they're, they're up for it. And you just didn't get the sense that they, they wanted to get behind the team. And, uh, you know, it's, it is a strange one. I, I, there's an element of not disbelief, but, you know, severe disappointment at scoring 96 points over a, a, a you know, what is it, 46 game season 
and somehow not being promoted automatically. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous. You know, teams have won the league with significantly less points than that. So, you know, maybe there's a bit of exhaustion from the players. You know, maybe they thought that they, they've done all they can to, to get over the line and still couldn't do it. And so maybe their mentality shot that way. But, you know, I think Peterborough United are the last team that, that can, you know, in a positive way, speak about players' mentality for, for big games. Because, you know, you, you've seen us bottle so many games, especially away from home over, over the last few years. I think the, the dangerous thing here is to think that mentality of, oh, I suspect that we won't get a, a dangerous Sheffield Wednesday side that are, are going to roll over. I, I think that's the dangerous thing is presuming that because they've had such a shocking and like harrowing defeat yeah. away from home in a playoff semi-final, that's the worrying thing to me is that our players are going to sort of filter into that. I really don't want that to be the the mentality going into that. I think it really has to be they are going to come at us and we need to be wary of this. I, anything else I think is what concerns me in terms of going 1-0 down in, in within 15 minutes or you know conceding or maybe having a player sent off. Any of that is what concerns me is, is that mentality could lead to one of those things happening. Mm. And I think we need to, to really be, be on it and wary of that. Yeah, well, hope, hopefully Fergie will, like Sam said earlier, kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. And, and to be yeah. fair, he is always pretty good i think at managing mentalities it's more around temperament and stuff like that that's potentially outside of his control in any case hopefully this isn't the last away day guide of the season hopefully we've got a certain uh, stadium in london to look forward to so this should hopefully be the penultimate away day guide cue bedding music Thursday night then, Destination Hillsborough. The Steel City plays host to the second leg. And we have to be honest, this is a gem of an away day, irrespective of what's at stake on Thursday. And although we can't be sure what sort of atmosphere to expect from Wednesday fans, as we've just talked about, we can be sure of one thing, and that's that Poshies can make use of the old school acoustics here. It's great fun at Hillsborough. Poshies will be in the upper tier of the Leppins Lane end for this one, which is behind one of the goals. Uh, just a, a warning, I guess there are a few pillars which can impede your view here, but in a weird way it adds to the character that just oozes from this ground. Unless, of course, you sat directly behind one, of course. Getting there then, M1, Junction 36, that will take you into Sheffield. If you stick to the A61 from the motorway for about eight miles, you'll eventually hit Hillsborough on your right-hand side. Now, this isn't the shortest route, but it's by far the quickest, taking into account the fact that you're going to be travelling at rush hour. You want to do all you can to avoid city centre Sheffield or rush hour, trust me. Uh, worth seeing which way your sat-nav is taking you and ignoring it in favour of the A61, in my opinion, at least. There is street parking nearby, but with this being a big occasion and an evening game, you probably have to set off, well, probably about now to get some, so good luck with that. Uh, there's quite a few unofficial car parks nearby. Most of them only take cash, just a heads up. There is also one directly behind the cop, which is where the club shop is. Postcode for that is Sierra 61 Quebec Echo. The other option is to park at Meadow Hall and you can grab a train uh, directly across from there. Speaking of which, those of you who are getting the train, got some good news for you. There's no planned strikes currently. However, please do check before booking in case anything changes between now and then. And some more good news in the fact that there is a direct option for this one. So East Midlands Railway runs a direct service from Peterborough to Sheffield. 
apologies if you can hear, ironically, the train going past in the background. It takes about two hours at direct train. Alternatively, you can take London Northeastern from Peterborough to Doncaster and then switch to Sheffield with Northern. Um, however, all of the Northern drivers are with the Aslev Union and... There is uh, information online that suggests they may be planning some last-minute strikes for Thursday, so be warned if you are going to Doncaster. The station itself in Sheffield is quite a hefty walk away from the ground. It's too far to walk, really. You can even take a taxi or get the number 53 bus to Ecclesfield. That service runs roughly every 10 minutes. takes about half an hour from the station to the ground. Expect it to be busy, though. Alternatively, you can get the Super Tram, which is quite possibly the best description of any public transport that I know. The Super Tram stops directly outside the railway station. You need to grab the Blue Line Tram, which goes to Marlin Bridge and get off at Hillsborough. Again, these run about every 10 minutes and you can get tickets on the tram itself. When you do get there, the Railway Hotel on Peniston Road is a good shout for an away-friendly pub. Or the New Barrack Tavern, which is on the A61 just before McDonald's, which is probably where you'll find Jared. In the ground, it's the usual offerings. There's nothing special about catering inside. Uh, FYI for this one, turnstiles are set to open about 6.30. They are advising to get in early. Gives you a chance to soak up the atmosphere. In my experience, the steward is pretty laxed in terms of letting you sit wherever you like. However, given the fact that we've sold out our allocation, it may be different for this one and probably understandably so. Record attendance at Hillsborough was 72,841. That was against Man City back in 1934 in the FA Cup. In terms of modern attendance records, that was against City's neighbours, Man United, in 2000, when just shy of 40,000 piled in for a Premier League match. This promises, as we all know, to be a real memory maker for travelling posh fans. If you are going, stay safe and enjoy. Right, lads, time to put your balls where your money is. No, that's not the saying, is it? Time to put your money where your mouth is. That's what we'll go for. That's slightly more PG. Nathan, are Peter United going to Wembley? And what will the score be on Thursday night? Absolutely going to Wembley. Um, I feel like a 1 1. I feel like a KG 1 1 for me. 1 1. Maybe, a, yeah, 1 1. And is that. Like a last-minute goal, or who's scoring that first goal and when? Um, I feel like they might score first, and then hopefully we come back into it. Yeah, Um, I'm not sure my nerves can take it if they score first. You know. Yeah, no, mine neither. But yeah, one-one. That's my guess. Fair enough, Sam. Are we going to Wembley? And what's the score Thursday? Well, I said we would when we did the pods the other week. Me and Dan were confident, so I'm going to stick with that confidence, obviously, even more. So yes, we are. And I am going to go for a bit of a weird one, but why not? And I'm going to go nil-nil. I, th- I mean, I can see it. I, I, I can see it nil-nil, to be fair. I'll, I'll be quite happy with that. I think we all would, wouldn't we now? Uh, Dan Weldon? I can't bring myself to say it, but I will say I think it will finish 1-1. What can't you bring yourself to say? It's not happening. I, I can't do it. <laughs> I mean... Uh, it's just quickly though, we, we one of the listeners' comments said earlier that it would be the biggest failure of all time if we don't see this through now. I mean, would it? Would it? It's on Barcelona Liverpool levels, isn't it? It really well, is. Well, it is, but I, I don't know. It's I, it, I don't it, know. The I, thing is, it's a lottery, isn't it? The playoffs, like anything can happen, and that's all I've got in the back of my head that anything can happen. I just. Yeah, I, I don't think I've been more nervous for a game 
in my entire life. I Which is weird because we're four nil up. Like yeah, I know four nil up at half so time. Strange. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I mean. Cardiff fans will attest being 4 0 up at half time means absolutely nothing. Yeah. I just, just, I just can't get my head away from it. You know, ever since the final whistle on Thursday, my eyes have been on, sorry, on, on Friday, my eyes have been on Thursday, and it's just, I've got butterflies in my stomach constantly just thinking about it. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited, but I'm so nervous. Yeah. Sam, you feel in the nerves? I, I really wasn't ahead of Friday, but I'm I'm more nervous for <laughs> Thursday than I was for Friday. <laughs> We're falling it up, which is which is stupid, really. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 confident that we'll we'll see it through and we'll do the job. I'm I I am confident. I mean, yeah, like like Nathan said again earlier, I wasn't when Michael Smith was through one on one again. I wasn't really nervous. I don't know why. I just thought, well, if he scores, he scores, doesn't he? And if if we do lose this, then then we've lost it. But I, I I just hope that feeling of pressure being off sticks with the players, sticks with the fans. And yeah, um, I'm nervous because of what's at stake. But deep down, I think I fit, we're going to do it. I'm confident. Final word to you then, Nathan. How's the nerves? Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm similar with Sam. I think I wasn't nervous about the first leg because I did think this is London Road, this is posh. This is very typical us to go and pull out a performance out of the bag. Um, and I said to my dad beforehand, I said, look, if we can take a, a, a win um, to Hillsborough, then I'll I'll be comfortable. I won't be happy, but I'll be comfortable. Um, and I was always more concerned about the away leg than I was the home leg. Um, still being 4-0 up, I'm, I am still nervous. But I think if we can get to half time, even if we're 1-0 down or 1-0, I'll, I will then start thinking about Wembley. Um, but yeah, I want to get to half time of, of this second leg before I start. Yeah, <laughs> maybe starting to look where I can um, where I can get train tickets or whatever. Um, that's yeah, that's that's my nerves coming through. I think. Yeah, it's totally bizarre, isn't it? Because like you, I, I remember saying to my friends before Friday, um, we just need to go to Hillsborough, not needing a result. You yeah, know, just like a one nil would have been fine. And yet here we are, four nil to the good, and yet it feels like it's. 90th minute and we're holding on to a 1-0 lead is completely bizarre. But it's, hey, it's that fear of, obviously we've had such a good result in the first leg, it's that fear of having an even worse second leg than what Sheffield Wednesday have had. That's the fear, I think, for all yeah. of us is that if we've just done that to Sheffield Wednesday, we could have this done to us and it could be the worst night of our lives. Oh, I think it's, it's that thought of what if that happens, not that we think it's going to happen because yeah. ultimately it's it's unlikely. But it's that fear of if it does happen, then God, how are we going to feel? Yeah, and you know, if we'd lost, if we lose, you lose the playoffs one nil or two one on aggregate, yeah, you kind of you take it in you. But to have been four nil up and then go on to lose that, that would sting. Yeah. Which leads me nicely on to letting everybody know that next week we will also be recording, and that will either be easily the most depressing episode that we have ever recorded and will ever record, or we'll be looking ahead to Wembley. Make sure you tune in. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review and rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Apparently, it helps us climb the podcast charts. Join us next time where we'll be reviewing the second <laughs> reviewing the second leg and, as producer Danny's put here, looking ahead to Wembley. We'll see. Good luck. Have fun if you are going Thursday. Up the posh. <laughs>
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.